Welcome to Corona Stories, the place where people can be open and honest about their feelings and experiences of COVID, lockdown and related matters. I'm Christine Padgham and I co-host this podcast with my friend Sylvia. This podcast is not for profit, it will never be for profit and we are interested in hearing people's real views. We never censor and we are interested in all perspectives. Thank you for listening. Right, Rustler, this is the 23rd of December. Merry Christmas. Merry, Merry Christmas, Christine. Well, um, welcome welcome to the special edition of the Excess Death podcast. No, we should make up another a, a new podcast just for this purpose. Um, we wanted to have a chat because we're having a sort of regular update on what Excess Death are doing in Scotland. And also because you've got some stuff to say about testing for Omicron. Yes, yes. So we start with excess death. Yeah, let's start with excess death then, Christine. So I'll, I'll just quickly go through the Public Health Scotland um, data, which mm-hmm. was released yesterday. So they do the weekly um, report, statistics report. Um. So what, what they were showing yesterday, it's been quite steady that for the last, let's say for the last month, um, ex- uh, deaths with COVID-19 have been around um, 85% of people that are vaccinated. Now that's that stayed quite, it peaked at 93% the week after the booster rollout. Okay, we'll say no more about that. But what we're seeing is since the start of December, the, the number of cases, it was, it was split, 60% were vaccinated, 40% were unvaccinated in cases. And as of yesterday, we're now at um, 72.5% of cases are vaccinated and then just 27.5% are unvaccinated. Similarly, the hospitals, they've jumped from uh, 69% vaccinated up to 73% vaccinated. So we're seeing a bigger shift now towards hospitalisations, sorry, cases, hospitalisations and deaths now are all sitting over three quarters are now in the uh, vaccinated rather than unvaccinated. So and that and that that creeps up as well. So the cases jump up to hospitals and the hospitals jump up to deaths. Whereas you would expect if the vaccine was working, for it for it to go the other way. Now, what was interesting yesterday as well for the first of Scotland updated their um, their report to now include um, the booster data. And why that's why that's interesting is they reported. Um, there was there was thirty six thousand positive cases in Scotland last week, and from that twenty six thousand were vaccinated, of which three thousand six hundred eighty two had just received their booster, Christine. So everybody, there's a big media rush just now for everybody to take their booster. But yeah. what it seems to me is, <laughs> most of the people I know that are testing positive just now are testing positive after they've had their booster. Yeah. So and we've seen that with dose one and dose two. And it's happening. It's happening again, and it's there in the government data as well. And so, just um, there's a couple of points that I want to really draw out there. So, or maybe more than a couple. There are then there is no advantage population-wise, apparently, to being vaccinated because the share of people who are dying with COVID and being hospitalised with COVID and cases with COVID now the share is skewed more towards the vaccinated than the unvaccinated. Yes, yes. And that, and that was always the case with the deaths, but it seems to be now be the case with cases and hospitalisations as and well. The fact so. that the situation is getting, you know, that's skewing more and more in one direction suggests that there is some disadvantage to being vaccinated and that it's doing some... That the implication from that would be that there's some reason why people... Been vaccinated, their immune systems can't cope as well with COVID. Yeah, I mean it's it's an inverse benefit, is what I've been calling it. So if 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 you if I think seventy percent of the population are vaccinated, so if it's seventy thirty, you would maybe expect seventy thirty in cases, Christine. But hospitalisation should be a, should be a better ratio, and death should be a better ratio for the vaccinated. And the opposite is true. Uh-huh. The other thing 
is when does somebody go from being vaccinated or unvaccinated to being vaccinated in the public health Scotland's reckoning? How long after their vaccination? Yeah, well, that's an excellent point because they tell us that it's within 21 days you're counted as unvaccinated. Now, I, 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 think, I think that was hiding a lot of the vaccinated numbers in the last couple of months when people were going for their first. So when the young guys were testing positive, they were calling it unvaccinated. But I reckon a lot of them were guys who'd had it within 21 days. So if you've had a vaccine within three weeks, you're classed as unvaccinated. So that's if you die, test positive or go to hospital in Public Health Scotland's counting. And so I've put on the informscotland.uk website um, last week, a uh, wee article about fi the Pfizer trial. Yeah. And Pfizer acknowledged in their trial that they couldn't really test people who'd been vaccinated because there was a risk of reactogenicity. So having been vaccinated, people would possibly test positive falsely because of some reactogenicity. Who knows what that is? Yeah. The only thing they said was that people who've been vaccinated were likely to suffer COVID-19-like illness. So if we get vaccinated and then within two weeks get sick with a COVID-like illness and test positive because of some reactogenicity in the test and then you die within three weeks, you will be classed as an unvaccinated death. Absolutely, yep. Right. And, that, and, that, and that's that's affecting the data. But I think over time, Christine, that, that will pull itself out because the people who are unvaccinated will remain unvaccinated. And what you're seeing now is when the vaccinated numbers go up, it's the people who've just had the... Sorry, when the unvaccinated numbers go up, it's the guys who've had it in the first three weeks being falsely classified as unvaccinated. Uh -huh. And I, we, we spoke about this, I think, in the last show we did. The, uh, the VARS data from America, so their adverse reaction data, shows that 40% of the deaths reported following the vaccine occurred within 48 hours. Mm -hmm. So that's all. I mean, if I think the first week's really bad, um, like over three quarters of the deaths. So all of those in the Public Health Scotland would be recorded as unvaccinated. Okay. And then is there, will, will, will there come a point where after a certain length of time after the vaccination, they'll start to class people as unvaccinated again? Well, I mean, now that they're introducing the booster stuff, I don't know if the guys with, with two jags or one jag might be called unvaccinated. But what, I mean, we can probably speak about this later as well, it deserves its own chat, but the, they're now wanting to vaccinate five to 11 year olds. So this sliding scale just keeps going. So they'll always have this. So if they now target the five to 11 year olds and they're getting jagged and they're having injuries, touch with the don't, all of that within three weeks will again will fall under the same category. So they'll always be able to say it's unvaccinated, unvaccinated, unvaccinated. Yeah. Um, I did hear some chat, because America was chatting about 90% of people in the ICU or something were unvaccinated, but that was anybody who hadn't had a booster. So, I mean, they're, they're, playing, they're playing statistical games. I mean, we, could, we even you and I, Christine, we can torture statistics long enough to make it say whatever we want it. That, that's why whenever I present the, the data, I always present the raw data, you know. Well, I don't factor it. I actually don't, I've had that accusation thrown at me a couple of times that a couple of people have said, oh, well, you know, what is it? Lies, lie, lamb. There's, what's the saying? Lies, statistics. And it's like, yeah, but I'm not doing any analysis. I'm just, plot I'm literally taking the government's data that they're reporting and plotting them on a graph. Yeah. I'm not doing any, like, regression analysis or statistical tests or anything on it. I'm just plotting them because they tell a story. Um, and I actually, well, just actually today, I've put two blogs up. I put a date update blog up and a deaths update. And I actually say, you know, these these um, statistics are now contradicting themselves because yeah. there's many examples of that. And it's because they're basically, the data are total garbage. Yeah, I mean, I get a lot of people say to me, oh, you need to do it by per 100,000 or you need to do age standardisation stuff mm. and all that is is statistical manipulation that's all it is um and even my public health scotland's they put a ratio for number of deaths per unvaccinated 
and they skew, they don't they don't count people um, who are under eighteen, I think, and that you know they just they, they they do everything they can to put bullshit in to get bullshit out to suit their narrative, and Public Health Scotland's only going to publish us or present data that suits the government because governments are bosses. Mm-hmm. They, they'll be getting a different, and that's why I think, and I spoke about this at the start, but they've changed the way they do that report four or five times now, the way they present the data. And I think it's because guys like you and I have chased them. Every time they do it, we say, well, your data is actually not showing what you're concluding it to show. So mm-hmm. now that they keep trying to update it to say, oh, we keep getting caught out, let's do something different. So, aye. I mean, that's why I just, po- I just post the raw data uh, and it's the gross figures as well. And I, I think it's easy enough to look at that. And people will say, oh, but you, it's uh, mainly old people that's dying and mainly old people are vaccinated. And I'm like, well, I wasn't allowed that argument last year. That it's only old people that's dying for COVID. Mm-hmm. So the door swings both ways. People say to me, oh, you can't count deaths within 28 days of a vaccine as a vaccine death. I was like, well, that's what we're doing with the virus. You know, let's let's play yeah. the same playing field. And I always say, you know, it's back at them. Mm-hmm. Um, so was there anything else that you wanted to say about the Public Health Scotland data? For excess No, no, I mean, I think it's just, it's just steadily getting worse for the vaccinated though, Christine. And I think it's good that they're showing the booster data and that, that'll only show worse. You know what's interesting though, they only showed it for the last four weeks. Remember when we had the, the big spike in all-cause mortality the week after the boosters came out and it, there was an excess in care homes. Mm-hmm. It didn't go as far back as that. And I really, I'm going to put an, I am going to put an FOI in to find out how many of those deaths in the care home that week or fortnight had just received their booster because I'm sure it's a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Well, in terms of excess tests generally, there's actually been a bit of a fall recently. So I think we were at 108 excess tests last week in week 50. Yeah, I've seen that. Um, now, I wondered if it was a mistake actually because in cancer death cancer deaths have absolutely plummeted which is a bit strange but I actually think it is genuine because it's across all three major locations so we've had excess you know quite consistently excess cancer deaths for weeks and weeks and weeks now but um, they've plunged to almost minus 50 in the last week but deaths at home are still really elevated we're yeah, I've seen there, there are 100 excess deaths at home every week in Scotland now. That's terrible. Not, not from COVID as well. No. Well, people don't die of COVID at home. That's yeah. very clear. Um, dementia deaths are sort of settling back down to normal levels after a recent surge, but they've been really bad this year. Um, circulatory deaths are still really high and the baseline is still rising. Um Respiratory deaths are low again, which is. <laughs> we're, we're we're minus three thousand on respiratory deaths since COVID appeared. Uh, they've all been cla- they've all been classed as COVID in my eyes. Yeah, um, yeah. COVID deaths are doing this really weird thing where they're just sort of almost linearly decreasing, which is incredibly unnatural. Now, I think I said in my blog. Pro- no, I didn't actually, I steered clear of that, but I'll say it on here. Um, people who are pro-vaccine, who call me anti-vaccine, which is neither of those descriptions is correct in my view, um, say that this is that it's an interference by the vaccine that's mm-hmm. causing this like, linear descent. But we've never seen this before. We didn't see it after the winter wave this year either, at the beginning of the year. Um, other excess deaths, so that's excluding cancer, dementia, circulatory, respiratory, and COVID, are horrifying. Where it, we have been over, it, like in excess for this cause of death since um, week 67, so that's week 14 of this year. So yeah, I mean, 36 weeks. Of excess other, and, and you always say it as well, Christine. That's the year after a pandemic when <laughs> death should be all cause deaths. 
Yeah. See, I, um, without looking, to, I, I had a quick look at the National Record Scotland table last night. Um, just to just to have a look at what's been happening since the booster came out. And so the booster came out, I think it was week 36 or week 37. And in that 14 week period, we have had 3,066 excess deaths since the booster. Mm -hmm. And that's all cause deaths. And from that, 1,371 were COVID and 1,700 were other causes of death. Mm -hmm. So COVID's making up around 40, 45% of those deaths. So it's it's these other deaths and there's been an increase in circulatory, which I can never say correctly, and cancer deaths in that time. And respiratory obviously is in the negative. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, uh, that's, you know, I think we've got 5,000 5, excess deaths in the year or maybe five and a half, whatever it is. But of that, 3,000 has happened in the last 14 weeks and 14 right. weeks ago, the, and 14 weeks ago, the booster started. Mm-hmm. All just, uh, cor- <laughs> Correlation does not causation make it, whatever it is, bullshit. But mm. it's another flag. Yeah, the thing that I find really disturbing about other causes of death, they've actually been quite low. Well, no, they've been in excess, but they've been stable and much lower for quite a few weeks now. But they've suddenly taken a massive jump in week 50, both in hospitals and in the home. And this is like people dying of weird things, isn't it? Like the things that don't come under the the big five. Um, but it's just so worrying. And the the baseline is rising and rising and rising all the time. We're now, yeah, like regularly between 50 and 100 a week. That's a lot of people in a small country. We, we don't have a lot of people in Scotland. Like, no, I I I've got some stories as well recently, like in my town, Christine, where a guy um, who's thirty seven, who was at school with my wife, he died of a heart attack um, last week, sadly, and another guy who's in his mid forties who died on the couch sleeping, and they don't know why that guy died, and this this both happened in the same week. Mm-hmm. You know, thirty seven year old shouldn't be dying of heart attacks. The guy, was, no. the guy was a reasonably fit guy as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I've also put in a couple of graphs about like percentage excess. Um, and the the what we've seen since week 20 of this year, that, that's how long we've been sitting with an excess test. That's 30 weeks. And we actually see it represented in that bar chart. The bot, it's got such a it's such a massive chunk of numbers, you know, even compared to the first wave and the second wave of COVID. Obviously the first wave was very, very severe and lots and lots of people died. It doesn't compare in terms of like peak numbers, but when you look at the bulk of that, you know, on the graph presented, it's really, really shocking. And then you can see in my graph 10, I've put in this blog, just the sheer number of weeks in 2021 where excess deaths have exceeded last year's. And apart from the first wave of COVID, basically pretty much every week in 2021 has been worse than 2020. Yep. And this is, this shouldn't be, this shouldn't be happening. We're heading, unless we can stay below, I think the level that I'm now at is 100 140 excess deaths for the next three weeks reported. If we don't stay below that level, we're going to have more excess deaths in 2021 than we had in 2020. Yeah, that looks like we're, we're heading there. And I've. This shouldn't happen the year after a, a new virus arrives. This has never happened before. Every year, if you look back to 1974, again, this is all on this blog, you can see years where there's been a jump in death one year. And it just never happens like this. It's followed by a similar year. It's always followed by a year of lower mortality. Yeah, I I think I I pulled the numbers out last night, Christine. I think last year we had 61,144 all-cause deaths in Scotland in 2020. Uh, Today, well, end of week 50. And we're now at 61,143, so we're one less up to, and including week 50. 
Yeah. I've, I've, I've sent your graph and also the Scottish Unity graph to my MPs, MSPs, asking for an explanation why excess deaths have been rising for the last six months. Mm-hmm. And they've, and I, I think I sent you Douglas Ross. I sent Douglas yeah. Ross three, three points and he came back and answered two of them, but ignored that one. Kept ignoring that. I kept going back to him or having dialogue. Yeah. Or whether it was him or one of his aides, we were having a, a, bit, a wee bit of debate. I sent it to all the leaders of the, the Holyrood um, parties as well, and none of them, none of them, Christine at all, acknowledged that when they came back. They came back and commented to me about vaccines and stuff, or more yeah. points, but they ignored the excess deaths. Um, there's, there's a freedom information reply out there to Public Health Scotland. I don't know if you've seen it, but it was asking why, what's the cause of the excess, and they were suggesting that it might be missed COVID deaths, um, um, which is crazy. Yeah, because we're hardly doing any testing, so you won't find. <laughs> Uh, it's difficult my, to cool down this. My MSP is getting so fed up with me getting in touch with him with my concerns that he started actually telling other people that I'm an anti-vaxxer. Yeah, that's that's disgraceful. Yeah, he's actually telling other constituents of his that I'm just an anti-vaxxer. Now, people who listen to what I say and who read what I write know that I'm not an anti-vaxxer. Just wondering. Why so many people are dying? It's really, you know, Answer the, question. the yeah. very fact that they, their response is you're an anti-vaxxer suggests that they believe that the vaccine might be killing people. Because if that's your, they must be thinking, oh, maybe it's the vaccine. And then they think, oh, she's saying that the vaccine's killing people, so she must be an anti-vaxxer. And I'm not saying the vaccine's killing people. I'm asking why all these people are dying. And why excess deaths seem to go up after we do big rollouts of vaccine. And I'm also wondering, you know, it seems to me, do you remember that story in, about Bel- in Belgium, uh, these kids all started collapsing in school? I think it was in the 90s. No. All the kids were like fainting in school or something or having seizures. And basically, I think it was a mass hysteria event. But um, Coke had recently brought out a new flavour or something Jeez of Coke. Well. And because of this, somebody connected these two things and Coke withdrew like all their products from Belgium <laughs> because they were worried that it was causing these seizures in kids. And Coke basically knew that it was nothing to do with their their drink. But they withdrew it anyway because people were looking for a reason why this strange thing was happening to all these kids. And I just think when you have a population of people where you've got this consistent 30 weeks now, 30 consecutive weeks of excess death, you would think that our politicians and our parliamentarians and our health authorities would be saying, hang on a minute, what might this be? And one thing that the majority of the population has had in the last year is a vaccine a new technology vaccine for which we don't have any long-term safety data. And so I feel like this happens every time I talk to you, Russell. I know. They, they is don't want... it crazy? Is it really so crazy to wonder? <laughs> they, they, don't want, they don't want to look at it, Christine, for a number of reasons, because if they start looking at it, it's going to expose it. Surely it must. I mean, yeah. I don't know if you've seen Matthew Letizia. He was on GB News mm-hmm. the other day talking about the football yeah. players that have been collapsing. So yeah. He got a lot of flack for that, but he's like saying, I'm not saying it's the vaccine, but what I want you to do is investigate it and prove uh-huh. it's not the vaccine. Because I'm just asking the question. He's like, I'm not saying it's a vaccine. He is saying it's a vaccine. That's what we're all saying. But prove to me that it's not. And it's exactly the same here, Christine. I, I wonder about the government's the, the government's vested interest in this. So they've their reputation's on the line. They've told everybody it's safe. Everybody's on record saying it's safe. Boris Johnson, Sturgeon, health ministers, all that. The vaccine companies have got indemnity, indemnity for any damages. If they had to come out now and say, sorry, actually, it does cause a lot of, um, like one in 100 people even get damaged, that we will, they will bankrupt the country with damage claims. And they'll, and they'll all have to be, they'll all have to resign or, or face jail time. So I don't think they can ever come back and say, actually, we think we got this wrong. They've went in no. too hard. They'll not, see, it doesn't matter what happens. And I think there will be trials in the future. I'll talk about the 2023 malfeasance trials quite a lot and I think all of that will get brushed under the carpet and they'll, they'll pick a couple of scapegoats you know like somebody like Gene Freeman or Matt Hancock who were the health secretaries at the time they might take the bullet for it 
But they'll line all these people up before they shoot Johnson or Sturgeon. Mm. So they'll they'll have their patsies ready to fall. Um, it's not much good to the people who are dying, though, is it? And you not. know, if if it's not the vaccine, well, fine. But something is causing lots of people in Scotland to die. That's yep. the bottom line. And, and it should be the number one priority, Christine. Well, yeah, because, I mean, remember, one death from COVID was one death too many, mm-hmm. which was always an absolutely ridiculous thing to say. I mean, I don't know what planet these people think that they're living on. But, you know, now it's like, oh, well, <laughs> well we've got 100 excess deaths a week from other causes in Scotland, mostly happening in the home. Who cares? <laughs> that doesn't matter. Here's a stat for you as well, Christine, because in, in Scotland the data can get skewed because we're such a small population, but I also think we're a great study group as well at five million, five and a half. But mm-hmm. I had a look at the English ONS data last night because that's what I do in my evenings these days. One of my pals said to me last night, what are you going to do when COVID finishes? He says, because you're obsessed with it. I was like, fuck you. Anyway, <laughs> there's, there's worse things to be obsessed with, pal. Uh, anyway, so England, England and Wales combined, Christina, have had 132,000 excess deaths this year. Yep. And of that, of that, only 74,000 were COVID, of what's classed as COVID. Now, I don't even think any of them are COVID. But so there's an there's an extra 50k where it wasn't COVID that was on the death certificate. So it's something else. So that kind of aligns with the Scottish stuff. If we if you multiply that or divide that by 10. But what I found interesting was of their 74,000 COVID deaths, um, 50,000 of those happened, Christine, in January and February. So they've only had 20,000 COVID deaths over the last 10 months. So the actual deaths that have been reported as COVID have, have been dropping significantly. And I, I think ours have been dropping as well since September. Mm-hmm. So when, when Sturgeon brought in all these new restrictions the other day, every, everything was falling. Apart from cases, which we know we'll come on to that, but hospitalizations were falling, ICU admissions were falling, and deaths were all falling from what was being called COVID. So if all those are trending down, you can't bring in more restrictions. But the way they brought more restrictions in was to say that the number of cases was rising. And then Sturgeon always says hospitalizations will follow cases by two weeks, which is, yeah, fair enough. But if we talk a wee bit now about how they're, how they're, mining for these cases or positives um, and that's through the S gene dropout and I don't think we spoke about this before but that happened as well last year with Alpha which was Kent variant rebadged mm-hmm. and what we're seeing this year is um, when Omicron appeared I actually predicted this I said they would go back to two genes the PCR test looks for three genes within the, the coronavirus sequence and I know you know this mm-hmm. um, to get a positive if you if it only found two, it was inconclusive, and if it only found one gene, it was negative. Zero genes negative. That's how it originally worked. Yeah. But with with Omicron, if it doesn't find the S gene, but one of the other two genes is found, then it's declared a positive and an Omicron positive. Now that's based on it being probable or potentially off a PCR test. Now Sturgeon tried to blur the water by saying they were doing genomic sequencing, which they were. But what she did was she done genomic sequencing of the positives to get a baseline percentage of what they were calling S gene dropout. And then she said, right, we've got enough lab-based evidence from the genomic sequencing that we can now say with some certainty um, that, it's, that if the S gene's missing, that's indicative of Omicron. So if you get a PCR test where the S gene's missing, but one of the other two genes is present, we're going to call it positive. And this is exactly what happened last year, Christine, on the 17th of December with Alpha. As soon as they'd done that, cases doubled and they doubled synchronised. Mm-hmm. Because basically you were making the test, um, you were changing the sensitivity of the test and you were going to be able to report more fo- more positives and more false positives. And all that happened was cases exploded, people panicked. And this has been on now for a month, I think, or maybe six weeks. Mm-hmm. And in that time, we've not had a single death from Omicron. Now, I think that's because those positives were all false positives. People people didn't have anything, Christine. Or if they had something, maybe it was another coronavirus, like a common cold, which is kicking around now. Yeah. Or maybe it was picking up remnants of your old infection, or, or maybe it was picking up the vaccine. I don't know. But people weren't sick, so they're back 
pushing the asymptomatic storyline. But basically where they are is, they've said all these people are positive, but none of them have died. None of them are in hospital. And you heard, I don't know if you heard the English health minister the day, embarrassing with Kay Adams, no Kay Adams, uh, Kay yeah, Burley. Uh, and she was saying, uh, we've got one death uh, from Omicron, we've got 10 in hospital, none in ventilators, and we've got 24 million tests, 1 million positives. And then from those 1 million positives, they had one death. And that was, a, and that guy wouldn't have died of Omicron. He just happened to be 76 vaccinated and had health problems. So let's go through this because I feel like people don't really follow the gene, the gene dropout thing at all. And I'm not entirely sure that I even understand now what the PCR test is doing. So now it's looking for a missing gene. Yes. So in the Omicron variant, there is no S gene. Correct. And the S gene is the spike protein, I think. Right. So, yeah, that's what I always thought. So the, because we're not, we're not like virologists or immunologists or experts on this. So even no. I, I, mean, I don't really feel like I've properly got a grasp of this. If the test isn't, it's looking for a coronavirus that has the S gene missing. Yeah. So, but does it need to have one of the other two genes? Yes. Yeah. So if, 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 if any one of the other two are present, it's called a Omicron positive. Whereas but it has to have the S gene missing. Missing, yeah. So by yeah. a year ago, Christine, that would have been a negative, a straight negative. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, I think this is what people don't understand. So, yeah, these po you get a positive this week, but if you'd been tested a year ago, it would have come back negative. And... Um, so my question is, how is this even the same virus anymore? Because if it's missing the spike protein, and that'll be why people aren't getting sick. Yep. Because I, the spike protein is a troublesome bit. So, um, I I think. Yeah. Sorry, I I think I think what's happening is it's the exact same that happened last year with Alpha, right? The S gene was missing. And you've you done an excellent graph on it, I think, where you showed that over December, January, February, COVID deaths were more than double what the excess deaths were. So that uh -huh. told us that stuff has been misattributed to COVID when it wasn't. Mm -hmm. So I, I think the fact that it's appeared and Scottish Unity has done stuff on this, it's, it's to do with seasonality, right? So I think other things are testing, making the PCR test test positive, right? So in the summer, I think the Delta appeared to be strong for the three genes, but it disappears into winter, disappeared. So the original strain and Delta are the same, and they both appear in spring, summertime. Alpha and Omicron appear to be the same or similar, and they're appearing over the winter period. Mm -hmm. Now, is that just a case that the winter stuff's picking up, winter, um, either influenza or um, common cold coronavirus? Is the summer stuff picking up, fucking, I don't know, hay fever, Whatever's kicking around in the summer, and that's why the test is the test is targeting different things. Yeah, and I, I think what we'll see is the the number of deaths attributed to COVID in January, February, March again this year will be will be misattribution like we had last year. Yeah. Well, we'll continue to watch that, like, see what other causes of death are doing, because you can't just have that, especially for a prolonged period of time, that people aren't dying of particular things, you know, for, for long spells. That just doesn't happen. Um, see, see, you were saying about we're not virologists. Um, I'm thinking about doing a night school, actually. Maybe we are. Maybe see, we are now. <laughs> see, if, see if my engineering degree gets me into year two. But, <laughs> but I was... Uh, I'll show, them, I'll show them all my research. I'll do, I, could do, I could do a thesis on this. Um, Sturgeon Sturge very cleverly stands. Oh she, she, she stands in the Holyrood and she talks about um, genomic sequencing and S gene dropout, right? And I think most people, Christine, just glaze over and they're like, "Oh fuck, I can't, I can't process that." She, what she's saying must be right. Mm. Fucking Linda Bald and Debbie Schroeder said it's right, so it must be right. And people just people, it's not cognitive dissonance, but it's like passing over responsibility. To mm -hmm. all the more qualified people, you think, oh, she knows what she's doing. Uh, it must be right. But basically, it's, it's a distraction. She was talking about genomic sequencing because I had an argument with somebody on Facebook, which I rarely do. She was saying to me, all the all the Omicron 
is genomically sequenced. And I says, it's not, like Sturgeon said, and she's like, no, no, it's all genomic sequenced. I says, it's not. And then they published a paper this week showing you the um, the, the three case scenarios where it's where it's where uh, it jumps from possible, probable, and um, what was the other one? But lab determined. Mm-hmm. So basically, they're just if the S gene's missing in the PCR, they're calling it positive. That's as simple as that. And what that was a negative. That was a negative six months ago. And you yeah. see that you see the sliding bar chart that um, Scottish Unity does, and that shows it really well: three gene, two gene, one gene. And it, it's now in its second wave, mm-hmm. like the, the seasonality wave. It's doing the same thing as it did last year. Mm. But it, I'm, I'm bored myself talking about S gene dropout. I know. The thing is. Um, just what you're saying there is making me think about thoughts that I was having this morning because I got up early this morning. My, we've got Christmas plans, you know, and I'm supposed to be getting ready for Christmas. And um, I was sitting at 6.25 this morning doing my blog updates on the Inform Scotland website. Now, I do this because I want people to have this information. And that, that's the only reason I'm doing it. I'm not doing it for anything else. And I've certainly had my fair share of abuse <laughs> doing these things but what I was thinking about this morning is I I wish that I didn't have to do this it's totally you know sometimes I, can, I have a bit of imposter syndrome because I think well you know why should people listen to what I'm saying about this because mm. I don't you know I'm not an expert and they sh- well I'm not lying to them but I shouldn't be doing it we MSPs and journalists and virologists and people in research should be doing this, this stuff. If you're able to do it and I'm able to do it, other people should be able to do it. And it's not, it shouldn't be up to us. It shouldn't be left to a mummy in a in our lounge at 6.25 in the morning, two days before Christmas, to be doing this stuff. No, but it's like a calling, Christine, and I'm sure you're the same as me. I, I can't do nothing. I have to do something. And whether I'm, somebody said to me the other day, oh, when are you actually when are you going to when are you actually yeah. going to do something about this and stop just fucking reporting statistics? And I got I got a bit pissed off, and I I told them if I can jog on, right? Um, like I'll <laughs> come and meet me in a car park, and we'll have a chat about it if you want. But like. <laughs> I think what what I do and what you do and what you do is on a higher level of what I'm doing. But we're giving people we're giving people information and ammunition, and that's valuable. And like I don't have to be I don't have to be firing all the bullets. I'm giving you the bullets. You go and fire it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I I I've I've been compelled to do something. See, I'm I'm going to after today I'm going to switch this off and I'm not going to do anything for a week. Right? I'm going to delete Twitter and all that just for okay. a week. Just to mm-hmm. spend time with the family, but I thought this is why I wanted us to do this today, Christine, so that it's mm-hmm. out there and, and it's out my head, and I can, I can leave yeah. it and enjoy family time for a week. But I, I just have to do something. I feel compelled to do something, and maybe in the end, what I've done and what you've done, we've spent twenty months doing this. Maybe it won't have an impact in the end, or, or enough. But at least I'll know that I tried. I'm getting emotional well, here. Yeah, nobody are you. <laughs> It's been a really hard year. Like, like last Christmas, I remember, I felt... It's, it's interesting thinking about how things have moved on a year on, because I actually posted a memory to Facebook this morning, and it came up, um, you know, something that I posted a year ago, and it was this film about life shouldn't be like this. And it was like stills of all the terrible things that had happened in 2020, you know, police arresting, peaceful protests. Mm. I was just thinking, oh my God, I cannot believe that this still applies now. We, we, we haven't moved on at all. And but actually, like we haven't moved on on the face of it, but I think we have moved on. Like I now feel there's a much greater power behind us than there was last year or or more aware of it. And I think, you know, we're growing in confidence because all of we have all of the evidence. We have it all. It Yeah, I think what's been happening here. And I can see the extent to which Scottish people have been lied to. And I don't like it. And uh you know people I've certainly lost a lot of friends. I've certainly gained an Mm -hmm. awful lot more friends than I've lost. You know, if people if people are trying to argue that the truth doesn't matter, 
well, I don't understand what they're like what they're doing here on earth, frankly, because um, and that's basically what these MSPs are doing when they respond to you and they don't actually answer any of your points. They're just saying, I don't care about this. I don't care yeah. about the truth. All I care about is the optics. And all I care about is that I'm not seen as an anti-vaxxer. And all I care about is myself. They're terrified mm-hmm. they speak out about anything. They really are. That, that, yeah. Chris, that Chris Job MP who, who read out the yellow card stats as well in Parliament, he disappeared. They've never heard from him since. He's probably been fucking chastised in the background. He's probably been whipped. Christine, I just wanted to mention, see, you, you did your speech at Edinburgh two weeks ago, whenever that was, uh-huh. outside uh, um, Butte House, but mm-hmm. you're standing there in the soaking, soaking rain and you, you said something that was very profound that um, I think you said that this, the truth has brought you to where you are or something about you having the confidence now that you're right. Uh-huh. And that really resonated because I was like, yep, yeah, nah, she's bang on. Like I've, I've been looking at the same stuff you've been looking at and we've both came to the same conclusions independently. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, and I'm comfortable. I've, I, I'll have a, I would go on any radio show, any TV show and argue with any expert in the world about the data and the numbers. Yeah. Um, but that's the problem. Like, is there's no point. You said earlier we're not virologists. There's no point putting people up against experts on the TV because they just get made to look like they're anti-vaxxers. You you take a, you take like even Dr. Hillary Jones and you have a arguing with somebody like I don't know. I don't know if I particularly like about Bev Turner or whatever. She's speaking out or Rachel uh, Denise Denise Welsh whatever her name is. Like they're they're just they're just journalists and TV personalities arguing against a doctor and it just looks silly. What we needed was the, the guy who's on the, uh, what's the guy who's on LBC? Um, he's had a cardiologist on a lot recently. And uh-huh. he's, ex- he's excellent. He's telling people not to take the vaccine. And that that's, what, that, that's, that's what you need. You need these guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, a couple of things I want to talk about, Christine. Uh, I need yep. to go on. I, I know you, you're no. heading off as well. But see, see Omicron. Right, I'm just going to say this. Right, I think Omicron's fake, completely fake. Now, I, uh, I, I flip on the on COVID being real or not real, right? And I know people will get upset by that, and maybe some of your listeners will think, "Oh, anti-vax are nut job." I, I never thought COVID was real. I thought COVID was just the flu rebadged, right? Mm-hmm. I think once they started injecting people with vaccines, I think then maybe something new arrived in 2021. And I've I've not spoke about this to anyone, Christine Nightmare. I'll, I'll share it here. But I was sick in the summer, and my my wee girl started off with a cold, and my wife um she started feeling unwell. I went to work that week. I work I work away from home, so midweek my wife phoned me saying, "Oh, I'm I'm really not well. Um, can you come home to help with the kids?" Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I came home, uh, and my wife's like, "We had lateral flow tests. I've never tested." My wife took two tests, and she was positive, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, "This bullshit. It's just the tests are bullshit. You're testing you're, the kids have got the cold. It's just that." And then the next day, my wife lost her test. Um, in fact, she'd lost her test before she tested because that's another thing. I thought I said to her, the lateral flow test has caused you to lose your taste, right? There's something on those swabs getting all crazy. Anyway, mm-hmm. I never took a test, and sure as damn it, two days later, my taste went, mm-hmm. right? and, I, and I was a bit unwell. And what mm-hmm. I did was I, I, I worked from home for a week. So I was fit enough to work. I just didn't go to work. Yeah. And, but it was mainly because I didn't want, I was coughing and I didn't want to be around people because everybody's fucking terrified. So we, we just, the kids were off anyway. We, we just basically hunkered down for a week. Mm-hmm. Mid, I, I, halfway through that, I started getting pains in my chest, not pains in my chest, but having difficulty breathing. I was taking a dog a walk up a bit of a steep incline and I had to stop like an old man. And I'm reasonably fit and, uh, mm-hmm. I was like, God, this is fucking. I started to panic a wee bit, <laughs> and uh, but it cleared after, like the bad bit cleared after a day or two. But I remember mm-hmm. thinking, like, if I was like seventy years old, right? If it was thirty mm-hmm. years in the future, and I, I was feeling this, you, you might have took yourself to the hospital. You might have been put on a ventilator, and you might have been gone. But anyway, I I never thought COVID existed. So, and neither of my wife or I are vaccinated, right? So we're both fully mm-hmm. unvaccinated, both pure bloods. So how we caught it, I don't know. And I, I discounted the shedding for a long time. I thought that's a that's a fucking crazy theory that people getting vaccinated were passing on shedding well, spikes, shedding spike mm-hmm. genes to people. But mm-hmm. my wife, the week before it, my wife had spent a lot of time in the hospital with my mother-in-law. She was in the hospital, not doing my wife. And I just maybe thought maybe you picked something up in the hospital, a wee bug, 
but she's been around. Everybody that was there obviously was fully vaccinated, including her mum. I don't know if maybe she's maybe picked something up and then give it to me. I don't know. But I've I've avoided even mentioning this on my social media feed because I don't want people to be like, oh, fucking the rustlers are shell. He's saying that COVID exists. It doesn't exist. I don't know if it does or it doesn't, right? I just know that whatever's going on, they've used a vehicle as a mechanism to push through the vaccine passports and digital identification. That's where they want to go. Whether the virus is real or not, it doesn't matter because that's, that's, that'll become a byproduct in the end. Anyway, I, just thought, I just thought I'd share that moment. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I have my own views on obviously people are getting sick with something and it's sharing, you know, it shares common symptoms, but I'm starting to develop a much more, I don't know how to describe it, like a nuanced or esoteric view about what might actually be going on here. And I Esoteric, there's another word of the day. I definitely think there's something going on with the shedding and it's interesting that... Um, Pfizer accounted for that in their trials. Mm. They actually mitigated against shedding. And like people who lived with certain types of people weren't allowed to take part in the trial. So they obviously thought it was a risk. But I've had my own experiences from being around vaccinated people. Um, um, in fact, my whole family has. Um, and I didn't really know what I thought about the shedding until that happened to us Um but definitely, I mean, one of the graphs, and again, I, I'm presenting things, I don't really know how to explain them a lot of the time. I've no idea what I'm looking at. But my daily, well, the sort of daily stats, they're not updated daily, but the government updates them daily. Um, my graph, the very last one, it's got like first doses, second doses and boosters, although boosters are just a third dose of the same thing. Yep. Um, the positive tests are rising perfectly in line with the boosters. And I just don't think that that is a coincidence. It is clearly seeding something. And you saw this with kids last um, in the summertime, you know, when they went back to school and a lot of the secondary school kids had been vaccinated and then suddenly you're seeing COVID spreading through schools like wildfire. Why did it not do that before? Like, you know, it's been here since, what, November 2019, I think is the official word on that. And it wasn't spreading like wildfire through schools then. It's just... I just think it's incredible that for a, a vaccine, it's not a vaccine, but a treatment that we have so little long-term data on, well, we've got no long-term data on, you would think that they would be looking out for signals and investigating things, and they're just not. No, absolutely, Christine. I mean, it, they, they should be, it should be setting off alarms everywhere. And it's like, no, you can't, you can't, you can't say that. I mean, I, I don't know how big a football fan you are, but the... Uh, um, the Man United defender um, Victor Lindelof collapsed two weeks ago. Uh-huh. Did, you, did you see that? So that's Man United mm-hmm. in the English Premier League on live on Sky, right? And they fucking never covered it at all. Like it totally got hushed up. Like it, they didn't show it in the highlights package. They barely showed it in match of the day. Nobody made any connection between Lindelof being vaccinated and collapsing or the other people that have been collapsing recently in football. Like it just wasn't allowed to be discussed. Nobody, nobody is publicly saying, "Wait a minute, guys, what is this?" Because everybody's embedded with it now, mm-hmm. um, and like, like say, 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 it did get brought down that everybody that it was killing people and it was known to be harmful to people. How you can't put six hundred and fifty MPs in the jail? Well, maybe you can. <clears throat> Excuse me, maybe you can. There's certainly one hundred and thirty people at fucking Holyrood are put in the jail. Um. But like if, if if this comes down, it's got it brings society down. Surely it's that big now that everything collapses. Yeah. Crazy. It is crazy. And this is why it shouldn't be down to people like us to look into this stuff because it should this should have been being investigated and examined months and months and months ago. And then we wouldn't have got to this point. Here we are, and it's certainly not my fault, and it's certainly not yours. No, but I mean the fact you've been, the fact you've been shut down on Twitter and YouTube as well, Christine. That tells its own story. So you can't speak out, and your MSP is telling 
uh, constituents that you're just a anti-vaxxer not to listen to you like that's there's trying to shut people down you know what i mean like i obviously lost my twitter account as well um with quite a large following and i've never been able to get that back and you know how, how big can your voice get and i i worry that we're just in an echo chamber now you and i think the same the people that are listening to your podcast probably think the same anybody who follows me on twitter thinks the same um, I had an argument with my pals. I've got really close pals of mine who, who are fully bought and they've just had the boosters do them. And last night they were saying this Omicron's a nonsense. And I was like, finally. They're like, it's time to get things back to normal. I was like, finally. And then I says, but the worry is, even though if we go back to normal, is it really normal now that they've got this digital identification tracking system? And they started laughing at me and like saying, oh, is it 5G masks that are tracking us? And I was like, what do you think a vaccine passport is if it's no digital? identification tracking like you now can't go somewhere unless you take digital identification with you that's got your medical records on it all of that's that's where they want to get us like i say mm-hmm. that the, the the vaccine and the virus will likely be a byproduct mm-hmm. um, in the end but if, if people say right no more restrictions right great but you need to take a track and trace app to go to the football um, like i went to open goal at the hydro last week and there was ten thousand people there and they didn't do track and trace or vaccine passports because it was under 10,000. But if it'd been over 10,000, I potentially couldn't have got to go to that. You know, yeah. how's that How's that acceptable? Even if, it, even if even if all the restrictions go away, and like I made a good joke, I made a joke the other day that Celtic Rangers game next week's been cancelled. And so 62,000 people got vaccine passports so they could go to that game. Yeah. And that game was going to go ahead under closed, behind closed doors. So what was the point of the vaccine passport if you if you can't go to stuff and Sturgeon can just switch on and off your rights now she just stands on it she just stands on her box on a Tuesday and says by the way guys they fit ball next week for three weeks and everybody's just like all right okay all the pubs have to shut right okay and like but that's it but there's no like there's, it doesn't go through parliament Christine there's no vote you no. know and I I, I, I might have told you this before I was driving home the Friday before Boris shut us down and he said, right, all the pubs have to close at seven o'clock tonight on a Friday. And I remember laughing in the car thinking, good luck fucking closing pubs in Scotland at seven o'clock on a Friday night. And uh, and they did. All the pubs closed. Everybody went home. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> anyway, I right. I, yeah. I'm rambling now. Well, no, it's fine. But the, the thing is, Miss, what we're seeing they're shutting people down on the basis of these tests, which people have absolute faith in. Yeah. You don't understand. And I'm not sure if we're ever going to be able to get them to understand now. And this is one of the, th- that was one of the things that drew my attention to this because I know a little bit about medical testing, not a huge amount, but from my work, that's, that was, you know, I know, I understand about the statistics of it and things. And it's just being done so wrong. But also, medical tests are never particularly reliable. They never have been. It's not an easy thing to find disease with a medical test or find any condition. That's why you need a doctor. You need a doctor to diagnose you. If a doctor thinks that you have a condition, but they repeatedly test you and they can't find a positive result from that testing, they don't say, well, you don't have that condition. They assume that the test is wrong. That, that's a brilliant <laughs> point, Christine. You're right. It's, a doctor should diagnose you, not a test. The test is just a tool. It's so dangerous, though. It's so dangerous to get people to think that, you know, you just, you know, spit on this swab and it'll tell you whether you have a, a disease or not. That's not what, that's not possible. And I, I, I actually find... One of the things I find most perplexing about this is why doctors are okay with that. Because diagnosis is an incredibly complex thing. That's why doctors go to medical school for, I mean, how yep. long do they study before they're qualified? But if, if you have all the symptoms of a disease, right, but you test negative, well, the doctor's going to say, well, you have that disease or you have a syndrome that's very similar to the disease. If you don't have any symptoms, if you, if, like two years ago, if you'd gone to the doctor and said, hey, I think I've got flu, well, why do you think you've got flu? Well, I just think I've got asymptomatic flu. They would have either chased you out their surgery or um, given you a psych assessment. Ah, they'd, they'd have chased you out for being a hypochondriac. 
Yeah, but now it's like, oh, well, yes, you can have an asymptomatic. You cannot have an asymptomatic disease. The whole thing is just absolutely ridiculous. And it's becoming more and more ridiculous by the day. And that's the basis on which people say, oh, Mammy Nicola says that we're not to go to the pub tonight, so okay, we'll not go. I mean... The the doctors have been paid up as well. Like, the fact that they're giving them bonuses for injecting children and stuff... Um, my no. my mother my mother in law went to a booster appointment the other day, and she she refused the booster. Um, because they were trying to give her Moderna, she had AstraZeneca, and she said mm-hmm. that the, it was a nurse. I think she said the nurse was going nuts, like arguing with her that um she was silly not to get it, and she was putting all the people at risk by not getting it. She told her, <gasps> but, she, but she never took it. And I thought they've got no business to try to coerce you. They like any medical professional should be giving you a, a balanced. Un, or an unbiased opinion. And did that, has that made your mother-in-law look at it a bit differently as well then? Aye, well she she they, she they got the she got the AstraZeneca early, so I, we, we didn't really talk about it much in the family because I, I chased people at the house, so I didn't know what to come down to, especially the in-laws. But anyway, so I <laughs> I, I just, I, I played her a clip for my for my, uh, for my uh, vaccine appointment, where the nurse was saying it doesn't stop you catching COVID, transmitting COVID, all that stuff. And that kind of opened their eyes. I said, just be careful because they're going to give you, they're going to offer you Moderna rather than AstraZeneca, and there's no trial data to see how the two mix and match. Mm-hmm. So, like I'd planted that seed a week before. Um, she went, she took her flu vaccine. To be fair, uh, she went, was, you know, she was meant to get the two at the same time. Mm-hmm. But I was like, you've just cost that woman twenty five quid. <laughs> that's why she's mad at you. And she was like, realise, like, no, that's they're getting paid, like because it was off site, they're getting paid whatever it is, fifteen quid plus a ten pound bonus. So that's why they're what to give you. But uh, see, I've noticed, I had a story, I just get so many people get in touch with me all the time, but um, there's so many more of these stories coming now. So it was somebody who absolutely was not on my our page at all. And it was the vaccine actually that um, opened her eyes because her husband had had a really bad reaction. He's seeing a, his first vaccine. Be seeing a consultant, it's been acknowledged, right? It's been acknowledged that the reaction to the vaccine, the reaction was because of the vaccine. And so the consultant had said, um, you should get your booster. And he was like, but I don't want my, well, you can have a different vaccine. He's like, I don't want any of these vaccines. I'm still healing from the last reaction. And again, like you're saying, the doctor got really, really aggressive. And this lady was saying to me that it had really opened her eyes because she was like, clearly they are extremely motivated somehow for some reason, whether it's just, you know, pride or financial or what. This doctor was so motivated that he was actually acting against the interests of my husband, his patient. She said, I found it so chilling. It it made me really upset. I came out of the appointment and I was crying just because I was so upset that a doctor had done that to my husband. Yeah, and what you said there's right, they're they're motivated and they're they're coercive. I I've been half tempted to go back into a vaccination centre just to just to do the whole process again. Just to just to embarrass them into saying why it doesn't work. Um, well, I've been in but, twice. I've been in three times to vaccination clinics to have conversations with people, and uh, yeah, they're looking. Well, in my experience has been whether I'm more confident or they're less confident. They're definitely not looking quite so sure of themselves. I would say. No, I, I went past the, the the one in Bathgate yesterday, and uh, interestingly, a building called the Pyramids, so that ties in with the fucking Masonic stuff. But anyway. <laughs> The uh, I went, I just, I just, I drove past and there was people queued right around the fucking building. I used to work in that building, so mm-hmm. people queued right around the building. It's massive. The car park was full, and the car mm-hmm. park was big enough to take a shift change. Um, and you couldn't get space in the car park. Everybody's queued around the building, standing outside in the rain, trying to get a booster a week before Christmas or the week of Christmas. And I just thought these guys are mental, well, actual yeah. mental. Um, it was a guy in the queue with his two kids who looked about ages with my kids, and I thought. Like, obviously, he's just taking them there, I imagine, to be with them because he's watching them whatever that day. But they shouldn't be exposed to that. They shouldn't be exposed to standing in line with people wearing masks outside, going in and getting an injection, whether they're getting jagged or no. That's, 
it was fucking it was, it's uh, harrowing seeing it it is when you see like I've just shared a video it's actually quite old it's well a month old you know John Campbell he's interviewing you know Dr John Campbell on YouTube oh yeah I do yeah he is interviewing this lady who's been neurologically damaged by the vaccine and it's just so so distressing to listen to her because I'm just thinking I have known this I have known that these vaccines would be like this since October 2020 and it's just horrible to hear I mean her her experience it was Nikki Nick is her name neurological damage with Nick if anybody wants to go and look up it is so upsetting to hear how badly affected she was by it it's just absolute torture and the thing is even at the basis level no matter what you think about these vaccines whether you think they're efficacious at reducing serious illness from covid the fact is the absolute risk reduction from the trials was one percent yep and so from a medical professional's point of view even one who really believes that these vaccines work to reduce illness you are only giving these participants in this experiment temporary like reduction in risk because we know it doesn't last much longer than three months basically and we don't have any of the long-term data the vaccine does not work in a way that justifies vaccinating the vast majority of the population now and these people know that the the people who are delivering these vaccines they now know that they must know christine yeah they must know they do because they're having to do a third dose and so they've told patients three doses ago, like, yeah, or not pa- patients, just people, they've told them three doses ago, this is going to protect you from this disease. And then the patients are coming back or the people are coming back three doses later to get another one because it doesn't work. And we don't know the risks. And we know that lots of people are getting really sick after their booster, just anecdotally. We all know that lots of people are getting really ill. And that implies a, at least a temporary damage to the immune systems. And now, they want you to take a, a fourth one in February yeah, now. It's like, oh, we'll need to, we won't, what, what, was it the uh, Burla, the Pfizer chief executive, conveniently enough, saying, oh, yeah, um, well, two, uh, one booster won't even be enough to get us through the winter. Hmm. What? Like, how useless is this product? I mean, and- it's actually implausible that it could be this crap. I mean, a, a couple of points to pick out of that, Christine, is are, are pe- and people are willingly going to get their third and they're willingly going to get their fourth, right? I've I seen something that the, the supplies either only had one year, um, only they were only granted one year's um, temporary licence or they were going to go out of date in December and January, which is why Boris Johnson did the get it done by January, oh, get it done by uh, end of December, mm-hmm. where, get boosted by the bells, like, They've always got these wee crap slogans like "Who's a PR yeah. guy?" They need shot. They need to. They need to be on the Nuremberg list. But anyway, people will turn up for it, right? But I don't know why, because they, they, surely they must know now that it doesn't work. But see, see if they came out. See, see if honestly Boris Johnson came out and said, "Listen, guys, COVID's real. The, the vaccine works. It doesn't work as well as we thought. But if you're high risk, we think you should take it, right?" I would maybe yeah. say, right, okay, fair enough. What What's the risks? What's yeah. the risk of the virus? What's the risk of the vaccine? Right, okay. Like at the time when I went to the appointment, the big thing was blood clot deaths. So they would only give me AstraZeneca because I was just over 40. And I was like, right, if I'm 41, I get AstraZeneca, but if I'm 39, I get Pfizer, right? And I didn't want Pfizer either. But I was like, so I've got a risky blood clot um, with this vaccine. I was like, so mm-hmm. I'm not going to take it. So, but if they say to you, right, there's a chance, but if you get COVID, if, you, if you're an 85 year old and the vaccine works a wee bit, I don't think it does, the vaccine works a wee bit, you should take it. I would be like, right, fair enough, but there is a risk you might get a blood clot, but that risk's lower than you dying if you catch COVID. Fair enough. But why are they now coming, and we should, I need to go, but mm-hmm. why are they now coming after five to fucking 11 year olds? Five to 11 year olds, honestly, Christine. And it just keeps coming, it keeps coming, and it's only the vulnerable, and then it'll be all five to 11 year olds, and then it'll be six months, 18 months, whatever they want to start at next. And mm-hmm. honestly, like I'm, I'm, I'm dumbfounded by it all. Well, just just one last point then. It is clear, right? It is so clear that patient safety is nothing to do with it. 
just by one of the latest developments, which is that they have done away with the 15-minute wait before you're allowed to leave. I saw, I watched with absolute incredulity as an MP in Parliament, was it Boris's question time? It was an absolute disaster. Um, Was it two weeks ago? Somebody said, now, we're having trouble rolling out the booster fast enough because the patients are waiting for 15 minutes after they've been, and and that's really holding things up. So can we do away with that requirement? And it's like everything is about how to get as many of these things into people's arms as possible, rather than actually being concerned. Why did we have a 15-minute wait? Because we were checking that the person wasn't damaged by the vaccine. They weren't having an allergic reaction. But now that doesn't matter. Because the only thing that matters is that you get this vaccine into as many people as you possibly can in as short a time as you possibly can. They're just speeding up the the production line, Christine. So how anybody can possibly think that, you know, patient safety is of paramount concern to this government, which is now practising medicine instead of doctors, is just beyond me. Like, it really gets to the point where you just think, are people actually paying attention to even the smallest part of this or are they just I, I don't know I don't know what's going on they're hypnotized right Christine I'm gonna to have to go I've got I've got I've got a pantomime to get ready for exactly um oh no you don't <laughs> <laughs> I was I was gonna avoid that bad bad joke and they just jumped in there <laughs> well, um, um okay Merry Christmas Thank you for all that you've done this year and we'll see you next year. <laughs> oh, aye. Listen, Christine, from more than uh, the same. Happy, Merry Christmas to you and your family as well. And, I, and likewise, you're doing a fantastic job. Um, you're a real beacon of light on this. And it's a shame that we've lost you on, the, on Twitter and people um, don't, get to, don't get to see us. I've been, sharing, I've been sharing it as much as I can. But again, mm-hmm. I'm, I must be due to get fucking nuked on there as well. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we're gonna we're gonna keep going, eh? And uh, yeah. we'll we'll be right in the end. But let's just uh, take a wee bit of time and enjoy enjoy Christmas with our families. Okay then, have a lovely pantomime. I will do. Right, cheers. Bye. Take care, Christine. Bye. Thank you for listening to this third discussion with the rustler about excess deaths. You can find Rustler's podcast at Freedom Podcast on Twitter. Sorry to be talking about such a depressing subject in the run-up to Christmas, but we really are living through grim times in Scotland and it's quite important that we bring this news out to you. Merry Christmas indeed to you all. Fortunately for you, more avid listeners, there is a much more uplifting podcast coming to you soon before Christmas itself. Thank you for your continued support. We really do love you 